You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, and welcome back to the show. I don't know about you, but I love an underdog story. Today, I'm going to talk about the never-say-die Rudy of baseball card companies. The I-get-knocked-down-but-I-get-up-again nature of this brand made tub-thumping get stuck in my head all day. We're going to talk about 1963 Fleer, the little set that could, until it couldn't, but we'll get to that. A couple years ago, I was looking to start building a vintage set, and I stumbled across a 1963 Fleer card in my box. And after a quick search, I realized there was only 67 total cards in the set. That seemed pretty manageable, so I decided to start looking through the internet to find more. Throughout that process, I found myself asking more and more questions. Why was the set so small, and what's the deal with Fleer anyway? Why didn't they make another set till 1981? So I did a little research, and I present to you the definitive guide to 1963 Fleer Baseball. So Fleer as a company was founded all the way back in 1885 by Frank Fleer, and it was actually the first company to successfully manufacture bubblegum. In fact, if it weren't for Fleer, we may not have that stereotypical pink color that we think of when we think of bubblegum. Well, in 1923, they actually made their first baseball card set, and it's pretty rare, and there was only believed to be about 120 cards in the set, but we haven't even found examples of all 120 cards up to this point. It's that rare. They didn't make another set until the 1959 Ted Williams release, and they continued in 1960 and 1961 with a set called Baseball Greats, and it only featured retirement players. But finally, in 1963, Fleer created a set with current players that directly competed with Tops. The 1963 wax boxes contained 24 packs and sold for a nickel each. Instead of gum, they included a cherry-flavored cookie. That was their attempt to circumvent the exclusive rights and the exclusive contract that Tops had to include cards with bubblegum. This was their attempt to circumvent that monopoly, and Tops was not amused. They took Fleer to court, and the first series was the only one that was released. Tops had a large number of players signed to exclusive contracts, but Fleer had a star of their own. This is one of the coolest parts of the story, in my opinion. Maury Wills signed with Fleer after reportedly feeling a bit offended by Tops' lack of interest while he was in the minors. This led to Fleer owning the rights to Maury's only rookie card. In fact, Wills didn't even appear on a Tops card until 1967, eight years after he made his Major League debut. The 66-card set plus one unnumbered checklist, also includes quite a few Hall of Famers. Willie Mays, Sandy Koufax, Roberto Clemente, Ron Sano, Bob Gibson, and Carl Yaskrimski are a few of the big names that can be found in the set. Two short prints add to the appeal of the set, at least for me. The cards were printed in 132-card uncut sheets, and so to ease the manufacturing process, the Joe Adcock and the unnumbered checklist were alternated in print runs and effectively cut their counts in half. The checklist is the more difficult to find in good condition just due to the nature of its intended use. With these vintage cards, when the kids were collecting them, they used them as a checklist. They just marked them off and, and uh, crossed off the list when they got the player, and so it's pretty hard to find those in really good shape. 
All the cards except the checklist use a vertical design. The player's photo takes up the primary area of the card and is surrounded by a white border. A cartoon drawing of a baseball player is found in a yellow diamond at the bottom left-hand corner on most of the cards. However, in Maury Wills and his exclusive contract, it receives special treatment. The diamond on his card called out the fact that he was the 1962 NL MVP, providing a little take that tops, look who we've got twist. Interestingly, the design is very similar to the actual 1963 tops design. The tops design had a second photo instead of the cartoon, and the bottom border was much more colorful uh, than the Fleer set. This was a fun little set to put together. I mean, it's vintage. It has a good mix of stars, superstars, and commons. It isn't overly expensive, but at the same time, it still has some value. And most importantly for me, I think, is the cool story that is attached to it. You know, I think it's really cool that somebody was finally standing up to tops in their monopoly. Unfortunately, what we saw was after they got shut down, it was several more years until the mid-70s before they challenged tops again, which ultimately led to the three sets that we started seeing throughout the 80s. Like I said before, the set is pretty affordable if you, if you don't care all that much about condition. If you're fine with just getting some good, very good, maybe a few excellent cards, you can pick up some of the commons for 50 to 75 cents and you can get the superstars for 10, 20, 30 bucks, something around there. Now the prices can range all the way up to 50, 75, 100 for the Maze and Clemente and the Adcock uh, short print if you really want high grade um, cards. But individually, you can really start building this set pretty affordably. On eBay, there's starter sets, depending on how complete you want that starter set, that range anywhere from $50 to $150. Um, ComC has individual cards, both raw and graded, that you can get for, again, anywhere between $0.75 cents to a dollar on up to $10 or $20. And so there's, there's a lot of opportunity to start putting this set together. That's what I did. I started with the three or four cards that I had in my vintage box and I just gradually started adding to it over time. Every few or every month when I had my um, sport lots store credit from my sales, I used a portion of that to pick up a few more that I needed. When I made some Com C sales, I'd go ahead and use some of my store credit to build onto what I needed. And ultimately, um, I was able to find the best deal for Clemente, the checklist, and a couple others on eBay. And so I used a combination of all three of those sites to, to finish out my set. I'd really recommend it. It is a lot of fun. You know, 67 cards is, is pretty manageable, and it's pretty neat having a set that's, what, almost 50 years old now? Uh, so that's pretty cool. Actually, I guess it's closer to 55 coming on 60 years. I'll have a link to the full article that I wrote about the 1963 Fleer set in the, in the show notes section on waxpackhero.com for this episode, as well as a few links to uh, some of the starter set options that are available on eBay, as well as the 63 Fleer pages on Sportlots and ComC. So there you have it, the definitive guide to the 1963 Fleer set. I hope you found that it gave you a little bit of the background of the set as well as how it paved the way for what FLIR would ultimately become. Please take a second to hit subscribe in the podcast platform of choice, as well as leave a ranking and a review. That really helps spread the word. 
Thanks, and I'll catch you next time.